0: Chapter Twenty One of Tenterhooks by Ada Leverson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Helen Taylor. Chapter Twenty One, The Great Exception. The absurdly simple explanation, made almost in dumb show, by action rather than in dialogue, was soon given. He was surprised simply enchanted at the entire frankness of her recognition she acknowledged openly that it mattered to her tremendously whether or not he was on intimate terms or flirting with little miss argles or with little miss anybody he was not even to look at any woman except herself that was arranged between them now and understood they were side by side with hands clasped as a matter of course things taken for granted that he formerly never dreamt of the signs of emotion in her face he attributed, of course, to the morning's contretemps, knowing nothing of the other trouble. It's heavenly being here again, you're prettier than ever, Edith, sweeter than ever. What a time I had away. It got worse and worse, dear Aylmer. You're far too good and kind to me, but I have suffered awfully, so have I since this morning. I felt what did you feel? Tell me must I? Yes, I felt. When I saw you with her, as if I hadn't got a friend in the world. I felt quite alone. I felt as if the ground were going to open and swallow me up. I relied on you so much, far more than I knew. I was struck dumb and rooted to the spot and knocked all of a heap. In a manner of speaking, as Vincy would say, Edith went on, laughing. But now you've cured me thoroughly. You're such a real person. Angel She still left her hand in his her eyes were very bright the result of few but salt tears the corners of her mouth were lifted by a happy smile not the tantalizing half-mocking smile he used to see she was changed and was he thought more lovable prettier today's emotion had shaken her out of herself the reaction of this evening gave a brilliancy to her eyes happy curves to her lips and the slight disarrangement of her hair, not quite silky smooth tonight, gave her a more irresponsible look. She seemed more careless, younger. "'Where's Bruce?' Aylmer asked suddenly. "'He's gone to the club. He'll be back rather soon, I should think.' "'I won't wait. I would rather not meet him this evening. When shall I see you again?' "'Oh, I don't know. I don't think I want to make any plans now.' "'As you wish.' i say do you really think vincy can care for that girl i believe he has had a very long friendship of some kind with her he's never told me actually but i felt it edith said is he in love with her can he be in a way in one of his peculiar ways she's in love with him i suppose said aylmer it was only because she thought it would please him that she wanted to see those things at the museum "'I think she's a little anxious. "'I found her a wild, irritating, unaccountable, empty creature. "'I believe she wants him to marry her.' "'I hope he won't. "'Unless he really wants to,' said Edith. "'It would be a mistake for Vincy to sacrifice himself as much as that.' "'I hope indeed he won't,' exclaimed Aylmer. "'and I think it's out of the question. "'Miss Argles is only an incident, surely. "'She looks the slightest of episodes.' "'It's a very long episode. "'It might end, though, if she insists and he won't.' "'Oh, bother, never mind them,' Aylmer replied with boyish impatience. "'Let me look at you again. "'Do you care for me a little bit, Edith?' "'Yes, I do.' "'Well, what's going to be done about it?' he asked with happy triviality. "'Don't talk nonsense,' she replied. "'We're just going to see each other sometimes.' I'll be satisfied with anything, cried Aylmer, after what I've suffered not seeing you at all. We'll have a new game. You shall make the rules and I'll keep them. Naturally. About the summer? Oh, no plans tonight, I must think. She looked thoughtful. Tell me, how's Archie? he said. Archie's all right, delightful. Dilly too, but I'm rather bothered. Why should you bother? What's it about? Tell me at once. She paused a moment. "'Miss Townsend won't be able to come back any more,' she said steadily. "'Really? What a pity. I suppose the fool of a girl's engaged or something.' "'She won't come back any more,' answered Edith. "'Will you have to get a new Miss Townsend?' "'I thought of being their governess myself, during the holidays, anyhow.' "'But that will leave you hardly any time. No leisure.' "'Leisure for what?' "'For anything.' For me, for instance, said Aylmer boldly. He was full of the courage and audacity caused by the immense relief of seeing her again and finding her so responsive. There is, of course, no joy so great as the cessation of pain. In fact, all joy, active or passive, is the cessation of some pain, since it must be the satisfaction of a longing, even perhaps an unconscious longing. A desire is a sort of pain, even with hope, without It is despair. When, for example, one takes artistic pleasure in looking at something beautiful, that is a cessation of the pain of having been deprived of it until then, since what one enjoys one must have longed for, even without knowing it. "'Look here,' said Aylmer suddenly. "'I don't believe I can do without you.' "'You said I was to make the rules. Make them, then. Go on.' "'Well?' We'll be intimate friends and meet as often as we can. Once a week you may say you care for me, and I'll say the same. That's all. If you find you don't like it, can't stand it as you say, then you'll have to go away again. I agree to it all, every word. You'll see if I don't stick to it absolutely. Thank you, dear Aylmer. He paused. Then I mustn't kiss you? No, never again. "'All right. Never again. After tonight. Tonight is the great exception,' said Aylmer. She made a tardy and futile protest. Then she said, "'Now, Aylmer, you must go.' She sighed. "'I have a lot of worries.' "'I never heard you say that before. Let me take them and demolish them for you. Can't you give them to me?' no i shall give nothing more to you good-bye remember there are to be no more exceptions said edith i promise she sat quietly alone for half an hour waiting for bruce she now felt sorry for bruce utterly and completely indifferent about the townsend case as she already humorously called it to herself but she thought she must be strong she was not prepared to lose her dignity "'nor to allow the children to be educated by a woman "'whose faith, at least with them and in their home, was unreliable. "'Their surroundings must be crystal clear. "'It would make a certain difference to them, she thought. "'How could it not? "'There were so many little ways in which she might spoil them, "'or tease them scamp things, or rush them, or be nicer to one of them, "'or less nice if she had any sort of concealed relation with their father.' And as she had been treated absolutely as a confidante by Edith, the girl had certainly shown herself treacherous, and rather too clearly capable of dissimulation. Edith thought this must have had a bad effect on the children. Edith was essentially a very feminine woman, though she had a mental attitude rightly held to be more characteristic of men. Being so feminine, so enraged under her calm and ease, she was, of course, not completely consistent she was still angry and very scornful of miss townsend she was hurt with her she felt a friend had played her false a friend too in the position of deepest trust of grave responsibility miss townsend knew perfectly well what the children were to edith and for all she knew there was no one in edith's life except bruce so that it was rather cruel Edith intended to keep up her dignity so absolutely that Miss Townsend could never see her again, that she could never speak to Edith on the subject. She wished also very much that Bruce should never see her again, but didn't know how to encompass this. She must find a way. On the other hand, after the first shock and disgust at seeing him, Edith's anger with Bruce himself had entirely passed. Had she not known for years that he was a little weak, "'a little fatuous. "'He was just as good a sort now as he had ever been, "'and as she was not blinded by the resentment and fury "'of the real jealousy of passion, "'Edith saw clearly and knew that Bruce cared far more for her "'than for anybody else, "'that in so far as he could love anybody, "'he loved her in his way, "'and she wanted to keep the whole thing together "'on account of Archie, and for Dilly's sake, "'she must be so kind, yet so strong, "'that Bruce would be at once grateful for her forbearance "'and afraid to take advantage of it. "'Rather a difficult undertaking. "'And she had seen Aylmer again. "'There was nothing in it about Miss Argles. "'What happiness! "'She ought to have trusted him. "'He cared for her. "'He loved her. "'His sentiment was worth having, "'and she cared for him too. "'How much, she didn't quite know. "'She admired him. "'He fascinated her.' and she also felt a deep gratitude because he gave her just the sort of passionate worship that she must have always unconsciously craved for certainly the two little events of to-day had drawn her nearer to him she had been far less reserved that evening she closed her eyes and smiled to herself but this mustn't happen again with a strong effort of self-coercion she banished all delightful recollections "'as she heard Bruce come up in the lift. "'He came in with a slightly shy, uncomfortable manner. "'Again she felt sorry for him. "'Hello,' he said. "'He gave her a quick glance, a sort of cautious look, "'which made her feel rather inclined to laugh. "'Then he said, "'I've just been down to the club. "'What have you been doing?' aylmer has been here.' "'Didn't know he was in town.' "'He's only come for a few days.' "'I should like to see him.' "'said Bruce, looking brighter. "'Did he ask after me?' "'Yes.' "'He looked at her again and said suspiciously, "'I suppose you didn't mention—' "'Mention what?' "'Edith.' "'Yes.' "'He cleared his throat and then said, "'with an effort of self-assertion "'that she thought at once ridiculous and touching— "'Look here. "'I don't wish to blame you in any way "'for what uh, arrangements you like to make "'in your own household.' but have you written to miss townsend yes she won't come back but won't she ask why i hope not why asked bruce with a tinge of defiance because then i should have to explain and i don't like explaining there was another pause bruce seemed to take a great interest in his nails which he examined separately one at a time and then all together holding both hands in front of him Did Archie enjoy his day? Oh, yes, said Edith. Bruce suddenly stood up, and a franker, more manly expression came into his face. He looked at her with a look of pain. Tears were not far from his eyes. Edith, you're a brick. You're too good for me. She looked down and away, without answering. Look here, is there anything I can do to please you? Yes, there is. "'What? I'll do it, whatever it is, on my word of honour. "'Well, it's a funny thing to ask you, but you know our late governess, Miss Townsend? "'I should like you to promise never to see her again, even by accident. "'If you meet her—by accident, I mean—I want you not to see her.' "'Bruce held out both his hands. "'I swear, I'd never recognise her, even if I should meet her accidentally.' "'I know it's a very odd thing to ask.' continued edith just fancy why should i mind your not seeing miss townsend he didn't answer however i do mind and i'd be grateful edith thought one might be unfaithful without being disloyal and she believed bruce now she was too sensible to ask him never to write a line never to telephone never to do anything else Besides, it was beneath her dignity to go into these details, and common sense told her that one or the other must write or communicate if the thing was to be stopped. If Miss Townsend wrote to him, to the club, he would have to answer. Bruce meant not to see her again, and that was enough. Then you're not cross, Edith. Not depressed? She gave her sweetest smile. She looked brilliantly happy and particularly pretty. Edith! With a violent reaction of remorse and a sort of tenderness, he tried to put his arm round her. She moved away. Don't you forgive me, Edith, for anything I've done that you don't like? Yes, I entirely forgive you. The incident is closed. Really forgive me? Absolutely. And I've had a tiring day and I'm going to sleep. Good night. With a kind little nod, she left him standing in the middle of the room with that air of stupid distinction that he generally assumed when in a lift with other people, and that came to his rescue at awkward moments, a dull, aloof, rather haughty expression. But it was no use to him now. He had considerable difficulty in refraining from venting his temper on the poor, dumb furniture. In fact, he did give a kick to a pretty little writing-table. It made no sound, but its curved shoulder looked resentful. What a day! Bruce said to himself, he went into his room, pouting like Archie, but he knew he had got off cheaply. End of chapter 21